Welcome to the Healthcare Information and Management Systems Society, Southern California podcast, where we explore emerging trends at the intersection of information technology and healthcare management. This is your host, Paul Butler, and we have a great guest for you today who has been a major player in the evolution of outsourcing, Chuck Lyles. And Chuck will be providing his insights into where the industry has come from and where it is going in the post-COVID world. More on that in a moment, but first, for those of you who are not familiar with our organization, HIMS is a global advisor and thought leader supporting the transformation of health ecosystems through information and technology and includes over 80,000 individual members and over 1,000 provider and healthcare services organizations. Check out SoCal.HIMSChapter.org for more information on events, membership, and resources. So, Chuck, welcome, and thank you for taking the time to join us. Paul, it's great to be with you. I look forward to visiting with you about all the things that are going on in healthcare technology. So by way of background, let me introduce Chuck. Chuck is uh, the president and CEO of Guide IT, a U.S.-based information technology solutions company providing services for healthcare and commercial enterprises. And so for the past six years, he has helped grow Guide IT from a startup to a mid-sized consultancy and IT services provider. But prior to that, Chuck has had a truly impressive career with senior positions at EDS, Pro Systems, and Dell over the decades. So as Vice President of Public Sector Services for Dell, Chuck expanded the um, combined Dell and Pro Systems capabilities and offerings to better serve healthcare, federal government, and education customers globally. And prior to Dell, Chuck spent more than 20 years at Pro Systems as a member of the Pro Systems Healthcare Group and as president for 10 years. As president, Chuck helped lead Pro Systems Healthcare in the rapid expansion to become recognized as a worldwide leader in technology and business solutions. So, Chuck, you have had the unique perspective of partaking in leading some big deals and implementations over the years in healthcare and outsourcing. How has the business changed over the last, say, three decades? And how do you think it will evolve into the future? You know, Paul, it's been an interesting journey uh, the last 30 years. Um, In the late 1990s, you began seeing healthcare IT organizations look at more creative ways to drive value, drive quality of IT delivery into an organization. And you began to see the emergence of what is called outsourcing occur. Uh, and in, in, in those dynamics at that time, there was a couple of things going on. Cost, how to drive better cost, improve cost. And two, most of the healthcare environments needed some, some support around a data center. Uh, there was assets sitting in closets, uh, sitting in, in facilities that didn't really have fault tolerance. And so there was a lot of outsourcing that occurred in the late 90s and early, early 2000s that involved driving better costs, improving costs, and then really moving a lot of equipment, traditional equipment, into a data center. So now we have this large-scale alteration to the way IT does business in the form of the covid uh, pandemic. In, in your view, how has the pandemic altered the way IT shops support delivery and what is the impact on outsourcing? Have you seen a big change? Well, yeah, Paul. Uh, again, going back to the late 90s, early 2000s, when outsourcing was more prominent uh, in, in healthcare, you saw the maturity of those services uh, continue and in the introduction of 
of global delivery, outsourcing, offshoring, some of those terms. And you saw a lot of change with how IT support was delivered from a third party to an IT organization. And there was a tremendous amount of disappointments that began to occur in that shift in terms of quality of quality of the of the delivery. And IT CIOs began to look at in some ways, bringing, bringing some of those services back in-house. And you saw in around 2010 or so, uh, organizations begin to rethink IT delivery and bring services back into house uh, and, and, to really, um, and to really rethink the business model. You add the complexity of, of, uh, of the introduction of electronic medical records and all that that was going to bring promise around improved cost and improved quality of care and really driving some different dynamics within healthcare delivery. And CIOs begin to really build internal organizations to support those clinical platforms that would be stood up and supported. Um, and then budgets began to inflate over a tremendous amount of time to support, support caregivers in a different way than never been thought about before from an IT perspective. Um, and so there's been a tremendous amount of change from the last, let's say the last 20 years from outsourcing traditional services to back in sourcing to support clinical platforms to today you get to to covid uh and and you're seeing a lot of disruption uh with how how uh care is delivered the cost to to support these different complex environments and outsourcing is beginning to begin to 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 circulate again as a potential idea as a way to really support the changing paradigm in terms of how care is delivered and driving to a lower cost equation uh, and, and, and think about the business differently. So in the whole rush to provide virtual care services, I, I know some local hospitals here in Los Angeles have had to do things overnight to extend their telehealth capabilities and, and provide a more virtual uh, uh, healthcare platform. Uh, a more complete platform, and it has been. Um, it seems like it's going to be here to stay. Would you agree with that statement? Yeah, I would. Uh, you know, the concept uh, called telehealth uh, is not new uh, to the industry or or from a technology perspective. But as you well know, telehealth was a predominant type of of of, of approach. To support more rural health situations, to get to get better care in rural situations, get physicians connected with those those communities. Um, when we woke up with 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 COVID, it was a major traumatic event that occurred, and that was was care couldn't be delivered in the same way that it had been. Um, and so the the concept of telehealth was really brought into into the mainstream in, into many organizations. Um, to, and so today you hear you hear it referred to as more virtual care type solutions, and and trying to provide that that experience to to treat patients in a different way. And I do think it's it's going to become more fundamentally changing for how care is delivered going forward, and a much more maturity over time as this pandemic uh, continues. And the IT support behind all of that becomes much more demanding as well. In fact, um, as as these organizations begin trying to stand up more virtual care support, you, you saw the impact of telehealth not being as advanced as it should be or could be from a technology platform. And you're seeing that change dramatically. The way IT support organizations support those environments has, has been demanding on organization and challenging. But I think in time, it's going to get much better. 
as we get these platforms more up to full speed. And it's not just the virtual care, which is sort of like the surface trend. In a back office way, the IT workforce itself um, in so many hospitals has had to go remote in, in organizations. Have you seen that there, in a lot of the enterprises that you deal with, that there was a sudden shock of, oh, no, we're not set up with uh, policies, procedures, and tools? And has there been a rush to accommodate that? You know, our experience as a guide IT with our customers is it has been that a lot of them had business continuity plans and 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 felt like they were prepared for certain events to support uh, an event. But I don't think most organizations were really thinking through a pandemic and, and the long-term implications of how to support a set of environments for a hospital setting or healthcare setting. And so literally overnight, when when the switch was flipped from my perspective, of having to have a remote a, a workforce that is traditionally sitting in an office in a hospital supporting caregivers, having that all of a sudden you gotta have that workforce be remote. And how do you engage and support those environments? It was a traumatic event over time and left many people scrambling quickly of how to set up just the basic things of uh, equipment in a home to the network connectivity to the access of systems. Um, and it was a lot of, a lot of hustling that's had to occur. And we, you know, we saw a tremendous response, uh, to, to, to set, stand those things up and a lot of resiliency, if you will, to activate those kind of support programs. And it was pretty traumatic for IT organizations to, to make that switch. I think most of them now are in a much better place, uh, and, and using tools like Zoom and using tools like Microsoft Teams to interact, uh, and, and some settling down of those environments. But it, is, it was a challenge. Uh, of, of, of supporting a virtual care environment and adding the fact we've got to do it from a remote workforce perspective. Yeah, one of the one of the fascinating things to me is the whole COVID pandemic has driven uh, many hospitals and healthcare organizations to virtually overnight go from a largely on-premise workforce to um, a largely remote workforce, whether they wanted to or not. And so... Um, and, and I'm sure you'll get this more in a moment as we we talk about clinical help desk and whatnot. But there's a um, there's this uh, wall that used to exist against using an outsource uh, or partial outsourcing for certain aspects of IT because you wanted the people on site. And of course, you're always going to need field techs in the hospital to fix equip uh, or replace printers, you know, stuff. But there's a um, there's a whole notion that can we operate remotely, which has now suddenly become hos- uh, possible to a lot of hospitals who didn't think this was a good way to operate, and it, because they're forced to operate this way. And and uh, have you, in a, in a way, this sort of opens up the door to the possibility of greater use of outsourcing because if you're going to be remote anyways, uh, you may be able to get augmented uh, support or um, uh, replace certain aspects with um, an outsourced team. Have you noticed that? You know, we used to we used to take great pride in delivering managed services or delivering outsourced services to an organization of having to have people in one location. If you look at how technology has developed the last several years, you can deliver services from anywhere in the country or anywhere in the world. You don't have to be in a physical office at a, in a specific building in a location to do that anymore. 
Um, yes, granted, I think, you know, from a collaboration perspective and meeting with team members and working together in a unified fashion to work towards a problem, solving a problem, implementing of a new system, you'd want those folks in an office. But you're seeing, uh, again, adoption of these remote tools as a mechanism. As these clinical systems were deployed the last 10 years, there was a tremendous amount of talent that was created as these organizations, consultancies, you know, supported health systems in the implementation and operationalization of these clinical platforms. Now that that has come to an end, you're seeing a lot of capacity that's sitting out there ready to continue supporting organizations. And they're sitting from in their home and they're sitting in a different city because a lot of times they have to travel as a consultant to a health organization. These folks can still support customers. And so you don't necessarily have to have those folks in a hospital setting. They don't necessarily have to be employees of the organization. And you can tap into some of those expertise that's sitting in, in these different organizations uh, in greater support of, of improved cost and quality of supporting clinical platforms, as an example. So where it gets complicated, I think, and you're, this is where I want to get to the clinical help, is there, because hospitals have bundled together these application portfolios that in a lot of cases are unique from enterprise to enterprise. In all cases, they're unique from enterprise to enterprise and the homegrown support knowledge that's grown up around that is much more resistant in, I think, in the, in, at least in the hospital business compared to some other businesses, resistance to outsourcing or going to a third party for any, any level of support that can be trusted. And one of the trends that I see that your organization is participating in and perhaps even leading is the notion of the clinical service desk. Now, while it sounds like a simple concept, there's a, a lot of clinical people feel that there's so much knowledge in the particular way they've implemented uh, uh, policies and procedures and tightly integrated it with their portfolio that it's been tightly held on premise because of the knowledge required. And I see you guys are going after this business. You're devoting uh, considerable resources and talent to remote delivery in healthcare. So you are optimistic this is a marketplace that is emerging and going to grow, right? So what do you think is driving this? And what is your experience in actually successfully being able to deliver services such as a clinical service desk for hospitals? Well, if you go back to the premise of when these clinical platforms were launched some 10 years ago and the critical nature of getting adoption from caregivers and physicians and, and such, there was a view that while an information technology service desk uh, type call and support was one way to help organizations deal with day-to-day -day support issues, the, this, the nature of trying to support caregivers and clinicians with these different EMR systems and clinical solution platforms, you would need to build that core competency. So you would need caregivers talking to caregivers as these are not trying to fix a PC. This is not trying to fix a keyboard. <clears throat> these are actually issues within an application that you're trying to solve a clinical problem. And so organizations spend a tremendous amount of time to take, in some cases, traditional caregivers and repurpose them to then be in a support function in a, in a, in a clinical system environment. Uh, and that has worked very well. Uh, it's been very, very expensive. 
But as we've experienced with our customers, when COVID-19 hit, it was everyone needs to get and support the frontline caregiving. And those folks that are traditional caregivers that have been retransformed, replatformed to then support the clinical system were called upon then to go back to their grassroots of supporting patient care. And that leaves a gap uh, in, in, in an IT organization or it is a gap in, a, in, a, in supporting a clinical platform. And so we believe that um, there's so much talent out there in the marketplace and the advancement of knowledge management and those kinds of tools allow for a remote or a non-employee of a health system to provide that kind of support to a caregiver when they're sit- sitting at the bedside. The technology allows you to connect easily in and look at what's going on. And so, yeah, we've seen a tremendous amount of, of, of requests be- with our customers as they have actually had to replatform, retransform their workforce back into caregiving, and it's left a gap in terms of support of the IT side. We have a tremendous opportunity to really take advantage of that and support uh, going forward given the COVID-19 impact. So the COVID has actually accelerated openness to experimenting with um, uh, this sort of sourcing of um, clinical help. That's interesting. And so, so do you see this accelerating going forward? Look, I think we, we read every day in the newspaper, some form of social media, you read that the shortfalls in the amount of caregivers <clears throat> in the industry. And we all know this pandemic isn't going to go away anytime soon. And those are precious resources that are needed on the front line to support patient care. And I think organizations are getting creative in terms of how they think about their core competencies and how they can leverage other external resources and partnerships to, to impact the patient care environment. And so I do think this is one of the trends that you may see. You're going to see all kinds of disruption uh, in the marketplace. And I think this is one of those times when, when you might see um, external firms come in and actually try, try to provide and provide that value to, to, to the need. So the term um, outsourcing, I, I have wondered if this term was actually going to go away over time because uh, nobody, nobody buys a phone system, gets into a service contract with the phone vendor and calls it outsourcing. It's just what you do. Nobody expects to support the technology in-house. You get, you know. So, I, I, you know, as this becomes more modular and more um, as, as we as a culture get more accepting of plugging in external resources and being able to plug them in, uh, how do you see... The, the terminology and the uh, just the the name of outsourcing going into the future. Do you expect it to morph into something that's more uh, a plug and play? Do you see cost driving this? What what is what is the future for outsourcing? Well, you know, in some cases, outsourcing has got a really negative connotation uh, for the reasons I spoke to earlier. Um, yet, you know you see a tremendous amount of disruption going on with technology. Uh, case in point, as I mentioned back in the early 2000s, it was an, a cost equation, a data center equation. You fast forward 20 years and you hear cloud and you hear uh, the need to really move to different compute models. It's very expensive to build those core competencies in an organization and the speed in which you can adopt that becomes very, very expensive. 
for an organization to take that on internally. When you look at organizations that have migrated from a, an on-premise solution to a hybrid cloud uh, or to a private cloud, the adoption of, of public cloud public cloud is really far surpassing in terms of speed. And you need to access, organizations need to access those talents of organizations to get that adoption versus building that. Outsourcing or managed services and bringing outside expertise in to get that transition, that transformation, to take advantage of those disruptive technologies is one way to do that. And I think you're going to see different forms of outsourcing uh, generate new interest uh, within CIOs to get at those core competencies that should be potentially used by a third party versus versus a health health system. So yeah, I do think outsourcing is coming back in different ways and forms, and uh, it's all around some of the, the the technology disruption that's going on in the marketplace. So one of the things uh, a couple of years, two or three years ago, I, I read in one of the big research firms. Um, uh, research, I can't remember if it was Gartner or whatever, that uh, the big move to the cloud was made possible by the acquisition of a lot of third-party help because there just wasn't weren't people in-house that, that knew how to migrate systems or to come up with a strategy. So you went to outside sources to see how you could make that happen. So there's a huge growth in these contracts, but the, the, the platform guys in-house weren't being... Um, added to. So you didn't have this large uh, growth in infrastructure in-house. What instead um, uh, organizations were doing was going outside to get that access to help and then work with the inside folks to make sure that there was a, a growth uh, possibility without having to add to platform headcount. And I'm wondering if that's sort of a parallel you know, to what, what you're talking about in that um, you have you still have your inside people, but you uh, the uh, men and women that are working that are not going to go away. But you're going to augment that because when you look at the possibilities and the generation of the new application portfolios in healthcare, which is emerging really fast, and uh, not just in virtual care, but uh, some of the great innovations and ideas that are coming across across the board, it really calls for more support on um, being able to to leverage the team that you've got with um, other competent resources outside. So is, is that something that that rings true to you, or how would you, you know, to kind of tweak that vision of the future if you could? Paul, there are so many demands upon an IT organization today. There is no way an IT organization can meet all of the demands uh, as business models emerge with how to get more revenue, uh, as reimbursement continues to be uh, a challenge, uh, and different, again, different business models around ambulatory care and relationships and partnerships, technology is an enabler to, to those business uh, models. Um, and to think that one organization could internally build all those competencies and, 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 and business support functions is really daunting. Uh, and again, we're, we're, we're moving towards a faster, faster paced environment uh, to meet the demands of the, of, the, of, the, of the organization. And so, yeah, you take your existing team and they're always going to provide that core competency to understand the business of healthcare and IT to support, 
to support everyone and then bring in organizations to augment that, to bring in some of those specialized skill sets to get some of that business disruption technologies that are existing uh, and get that adoption. So it's not about one or the other. It's about augmentation, to your point, uh, leveraging skill sets internally with those that are experts on the outside uh, that can bring the true value. And many of these delivery organizations, unfortunately, have been hit hard by COVID on their on their budgets because of the way it's it's worked out with not being able to deliver other um, profitable services like elective surgeries and stuff, at least in the beginning. And so there's really no option to add headcount. So you really have to go outside and get uh, project-specific justification for, for adding some of these. So it'll be very interesting to see how this e- evolves, but I think it will... Um, uh, I think you would agree that the COVID has accelerated that, right? So it's it's something that's going to change the culture and going to move us forward in a, in a dynamic way. I will say over the last 90 days, we've had more interest in the types of managed services that can be provided. And I would say that cost has been the major driver to that. You're seeing 10, 20, 30% reduction in revenues across health systems and CIOs are being pressured to look at more creative ways to meet the demand and right size organizations to move from a fixed cost environment to a variable cost environment. I know of three major health systems in the country right now that are looking very quickly at, at some type of broad outsourcing, if you will, to really impact cost, but not impact quality across the enterprise. And I think you're going to see some of that continue given, given the cost constraints that look to be long term when, when, when you have a, a virtual health environment or a telehealth environment and reimbursements significantly impacted, yet the demand for IT is, is much or even more. You got to find more creative ways. And so, uh, uh, we're seeing that really become real top of mind in the C-suite of health systems across the country. Fascinating. Well, thank you, Chuck, for um, giving us some of your time. Um, before we wrap up, can you give us a short explanation of what uh, your new firm, Guide IT, does and give uh, any other information such as website address for people that want to learn more? And if people want to connect with you, how best can they reach you? Great. Yeah, sure. Guide IT was formed in twenty. 20- 2013, and it was focused on really driving a different experience for uh, organizations around IT needs. So we are an end-to-end technology management company that provides consultative and managed services to healthcare organizations across the country, from from community hospitals to health systems to ambulatory organizations. Uh, We are serving and solving major technical problems uh, that are top of mind today for CIOs. You can reach out to us at www.guideit.com. I'm also on LinkedIn, Chuck Lyles on LinkedIn. And if you'd prefer, feel free to reach out to me directly, which is my email address is chuck.lyles at guideit.com. Very interesting discussion. Chuck Lyle, CEO of Guide IT, thank you for joining us and sharing your insights. I think it's fascinating, and I think you're going to be on the leading edge of some very um, fast-moving trends. So thank you, Chuck, for joining us. Thank you, Paul. Have a good day. Okay, bye-bye. If you like our podcast and haven't subscribed, please do so and stay connected with us. Every month, we explore the emerging trends in information technology and healthcare management as we have fascinating guests that come on board and speak with us. 
Thank you for listening to the Hymn SoCal podcast. This is Paul Butler, your host. Our sound engineer has been Callister Harmon. Mm-hmm.